Well, good morning and happy Easter to you all, all of you here in the worship center and everyone who's watching online. We are so glad that you have taken the time to worship with us this morning on this momentous occasion. We get to celebrate the resurrection of our Savior, Jesus. Now, as we begin, I want you to consider a question. Can you think of a time when you missed something big. You know, maybe you had some circumstances in your life. Maybe there was something that was distracting. Maybe you just forgot to pay attention, but something happened and you missed it. Now, a number of years ago, one of the Marvel Avengers movies was coming out in theaters. And one of our staff members who will go unnamed although you might see him wearing a flowered shirt playing an acoustic guitar. But anyway, he had a brilliant idea that some of the guys on the church staff should go opening night. And so, you know, wanting to be a part of the team, I thought, all right, I'm all in. There were some problems, at least for me, though. First of all, it started at 11 p.m. I go to bed at 8.30, all right? So this is not, not a great plan. Number two, the theater was at least 80 degrees, A little warm, and we were sitting in those big, plush, reclining chairs, right? Have you ever sat in those? And so about 25 minutes into the movie, I was out cold. I was told later I might have been snoring a little bit. I woke up covered in drool, just to be honest, and I realized that I had missed the entire middle of the movie. And so my kids are big Marvel aficionados. They like to see every Marvel movie, which seems to come out like every two months, and the shows that are on Disney Plus. And, you know, for a bonding experience, I try to join them in watching these things. And there are numerous times when I have to turn to them and say, you know, who is this person or why is this happening or what happened to that person? And almost every time the response is, it's because you missed the movie. You missed this huge plot thing that would make everything make sense. So have you had a time in your life when maybe you missed something a little more important than a Marvel movie? Has there been a time when something big happened and you missed it? So a moment ago, we heard the Easter gospel read from Luke chapter 24. And we hear the story of how on Easter morning, Jesus, who had been crucified on a cross, one of the most brutal ways to, to die ever devised in history, how he walked out of a tomb and he was resurrected as our savior. And how these women who had followed Jesus for many years and were faithful followers and loved him dearly, they, they had gone to the tomb early in the morning and they had brought spices to anoint the body. It was just a tradition in, in their culture. They went there and they found this gigantic stone in front of the tomb had been rolled away. And they were wondering, what in the world does this mean? But then there were two visitors in the tomb, two angels. Can you imagine talking to angels? And these angels said to the women, what are you looking for? He is risen And so they're overjoyed with this new bit of news and they run back to share it with the other 11 disciples who are like, no, that would never happen. And they didn't even believe that Jesus had risen again until later. But what I want to spend a few moments with you this morning looking at is what happened the rest of Easter Sunday morning. All right, what happened 
after Jesus had walked out of the tomb, after the women had gone back to give their report. And so if you have your Bibles with you or a Bible app on your phone or your tablet, I'd invite you to turn with me to Luke chapter 24, and we're going to pick up the story on Easter Sunday in verse 13. And this is what it says. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. Now think of all the different things that Jesus could have done after he was resurrected. Like, who would blame him if he had just booked a cruise in the Caribbean, right? I mean, does anyone deserve a vacation more than someone nailed to a cross who rose again? Or he could have shown up supernaturally before all of the religious leaders in Jerusalem and shown them that they were wrong. Or he could have appeared in Rome before Caesar himself and really shown off his power. I like to think of, if you've ever been at a Timberwolves game and how the team runs out with the lasers and the smoke and everything, Jesus could have done that in front of all of the Roman hierarchy. Or Jesus could have just thrown a huge festival with tens of thousands of people in the countryside where he could have shown off his wounds, and how he had overcome death, and he could have blown all their minds. But Jesus didn't choose to do any of those things. No, instead, he spent his very first day as the resurrected king of the world, walking down a quiet little road with two of his disciples. Now, disciples just means followers, And these are two followers or disciples that we don't really know much about. We only get the name of one. His name was Cleopas. The other one didn't even get his name listed in the story. But my question then is why? Why would Jesus choose to spend this day with two seemingly insignificant guys when he had just overcome sin and death and evil once and for all? Well, I think the answer is that Jesus was modeling for us and for them what he would continue to do for the years and the centuries ahead and what he still does today. You see, all of us are on a road. All of us are on a journey through our life. And there are many of us who are kind of like those two men in the story, who maybe we've heard about Jesus, and we might even know some things about Jesus, but we don't fully understand who he is. We don't fully understand his tremendous heart for us. We don't understand how his desire is that he would walk with us through the ups and downs of life. You see, Jesus wants to know you personally, but not just that. He wants you to know him personally. He wants that for every person on earth. And so I think we see this 
in our story for today. Cleopas and his friend, they're walking back home to a small town called Emmaus. It's about seven miles from Jerusalem, which meant it was maybe a two and a half hour walk. And all along the walk, these guys have a lot to process and to talk about because they had gone to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover, this feast, this important meal. And while they were in Jerusalem, they saw Jesus arrested and put on trial and beaten and nailed to a cross. And they couldn't understand what had happened. And they didn't know what it meant for them They had heard reports then that morning that these women had found an empty tomb, but they were skeptical. They couldn't understand what this could actually mean. And you know, I think there are many people just like that today. There are many people who have heard about Jesus. There are many people who can give the high points of the Easter story. There are many people who know that according to Christians, we believe Jesus walked out of the tomb on Easter morning but maybe they're not fully convinced of it themselves. You know, maybe they went to to church as a kid. Maybe they had a grandmother who was a faithful believer and they saw her live it out. But you know, they've never invited Jesus into their own life. They've never decided to believe in him and to follow him. And you know what? If that's your story this morning, I want you to know we are so glad that you are here and that you are always welcome in our church. Something we like to say at Calvary is, this is a place that you can belong before you even believe. Because I think we see Jesus modeling that with these two men in our story. He invites them to belong before they can even figure out what it all means. Every one of us is on a journey through life. And no matter what your grandparents or your parents or your siblings or your closest friends believe about Jesus, every one of us has to decide for ourselves whether to believe him and whether to follow him. And Jesus's heart for every single person on earth is that they would come to know him, that they would invite him into their life and that they would choose to follow him. And in the process that they would receive his forgiveness and his grace and his promise of new life, something that no one else can offer. But I think what we also see as we read on in our story is that sometimes our feelings and our expectations and our disappointments can be so overwhelming in life, they can cause us to miss Jesus. We can miss that he's walking with us. We can miss that he's ready to help and to come alongside us. Look at verse 17. Jesus asked these men, what are you discussing together as you walk along? And they stood still, their faces downcast. As you consider your journey through life, deep down, Are you sad? Are you downcast? Are you disappointed? Are you discouraged? Because sometimes those things can be incredibly 
overwhelming. Maybe you have someone else close to you in your life who those words would describe. There's so many things though that we face in life that can make us sad, that can be discouraging, that can feel overwhelming. You know, we might suffer the loss of someone near and dear to us. We might lose a job and the sense of security that it brings. We might watch our children make incredibly harmful decisions. We might experience an addiction. We might experience abuse from someone we care about. And I think, honestly, there are many people here today who have heavy hearts. And Jesus wants to join you on your journey But as we read a little bit further, we see one of the main reasons that these two men in our story are discouraged and they're overwhelmed is because ultimately they've lost hope. And so look at verse 21. This is what they respond to Jesus. They say, but we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. You see, what they're talking about is they had this vision for what the Messiah would do, that he would come in power, probably with a gigantic army, and that he would finally overthrow the Roman Empire. He would show them who's boss. And now, with all that's happened, they see that that vision is not playing out. That's not what the Messiah came to do. And so they had lost their hope. But you know, there's four words in that verse that I believe every one of us has said multiple times in our life. The four words are, but we had hoped. Can you think of a time when that was true for you? But we had hoped that our marriage would get better. But we had hoped that that scan would come back clean but we had hoped that our finances would be in a much better place. But we had hoped that our kids wouldn't be so rebellious. But we had hoped that he would overcome his addiction. But we had hoped that we would be in a much more stable place in life today. You know, there are so many reasons for us to lose hope in this world. And when we experience hopeless feelings, it can cause us to miss Jesus who's walking with us. But church, there is good news on this Easter Sunday. And that is this, your hope never needs to die. Because we have a savior whose name is Jesus. And because of him, there is always a reason for hope. Brokenness and pain are not the end of the story. No, Jesus is on a mission to put all things back together the way that they should be. Everything that has been broken, everything that has been torn apart, he's come to put it back together. And his preferred way of accomplishing his mission is to reach just one person at a time. A person like you and a person like me. He wants a real personal connection with each and every person. He wants to walk with us through the journey of our life. 
And so as Jesus walks with these two men in our story, he brings hope to them through teaching them and asking some key questions. And he reveals that their understanding and their perspective are so limited. I mean, these are guys who had witnessed most of the high points of Jesus's ministry. They're a part of the 120 followers who were always in the background wherever Jesus went. And so they saw him do amazing things. They saw that he had this incredible potential and power to change and to transform people and systems. But that also caused them to ask questions like, why in the world didn't he just jump off the cross? He could have been the first superhero in all of history. What kept him up there? I mean, it kind of seemed like a big waste of three years, that whole ministry. I mean, now they had lost hope in what it all meant. And they even doubted the testimonies of those women who witnessed the empty tomb because dead means dead, right? No one comes back from the grave, do they? But look at verses 25 to 27. Jesus said to them, and I like to think of him with a big smile when he says this. He says, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Now, I would like to have a conversation with Luke, who wrote this gospel. And I would like to ask Luke, why didn't you include this Bible study, right? Like the PowerPoint or at least some TikTok videos. I mean, this is the greatest Bible study in all of history because Jesus connected all of the dots. There are 351 different prophecies in the Old Testament that point to what Jesus had done, what he was doing or what he was about to do. 351, and here Jesus is showing them how this all connects. He's opening their eyes to what's possible. So these men, they had walked with Jesus, but really they were selective about what they thought was possible. They were all in on the easy stuff but they were less so when it came to the difficult stuff. Like they loved that Jesus said he had come to free his people and to deliver his people. They didn't like how he said he was gonna do it. If you go back and look at Luke chapter nine and Luke chapter 18, two different times, Jesus calls his shot. Remember Babe Ruth calling his home run? Jesus said, this is how it's gonna happen. I'm gonna be killed. I'll go away for three days and then I'm gonna rise again. He had already told them this. But again, they liked the easy part, but they didn't like the hard part. You know, sometimes it's our doubts, our questions, but especially our preconceived notions that can cause us to miss Jesus. We like to put a narrative together the way we think it should go. And sometimes when things go a different way, we fail to see Jesus. So again, whether it's our doubts and our questions and our preconceived notions, or maybe it's our sadness and our disappointment and our discouragement, or maybe it's even when life is going super well and we start to have that illusion that 
Well, we can handle it alone. We don't need anybody's help. All of these things can overwhelm us and can cause us to miss Jesus. So finally, there's a moment in our story from Luke where things start to change. And that's when these two men invite Jesus in. Look at verses 28 and 29. It says, as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. Jesus wants to be invited into your life. He wants to walk with you and to teach you and to comfort you and to guide you. But he's waiting for an invitation. Jesus wanted these men in the story to invite him in. And he was willing to walk the seven miles until they did. They were completely clueless to who he was and what he meant for them. And so he explained scripture for hours and he waited to see what they would do. And finally, when they said, stay with us, we want you to come in. That was the invitation that he was waiting for. Now, there are maybe many people here today who are thinking, there's no way I could do that. You know, with all of the things from my past, those secrets that I have, all the things that I've done that I'm just not proud of, I don't think I could invite Jesus in because he'll probably decline my invitation. But yet Jesus continues to knock at the door of your heart and he wants you to open up and invite him in. You see, the reason he went to the cross was to provide a way for us to come to him. He became our sin on the cross so that we could be freed and forgiven and so that we could become the righteousness of God. And that means no matter what your story is, no matter all that it entails, God will forgive your sins because Jesus has already paid your debt in full. And that means no one, absolutely no one is excluded from his love and his grace. There's no one that's beyond hope. There's no one who has messed up too much. But all you need to do is invite him in. So inviting Jesus in changes everything for the men in our story. And I love what happens next, the first part of verse 30. It says, when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Now, it's an interesting turn of events because Jesus is the guest here. I mean, Cleopas and his friend, they were the hosts. They're the ones who are supposed to be serving the bread to the guest. But I think we see Jesus's heart and the way that he chooses to operate. When we invite him into our life, he doesn't want to just sit back. No, he wants to lead. He wants to guide us in the best possible way. Now, scholars have all sorts of theories about what happened at this moment. Some of them think perhaps these two men were present when Jesus fed the 5,000. 
And so as they heard him speak and bless the bread, well, they started to put things together. There's other scholars who believe when Jesus held the bread up to pray and maybe to break it, they finally saw the nail marks in his hands. But regardless of what happened, look at the next part of the verse. It says, then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. Their eyes were opened and they recognized his true identity. This is the savior of the world who's been walking with them for miles. Was it his scars? Was it the way he prayed? What matters most is that their eyes were opened to their savior, Jesus, who's alive and he's walking with them. So church, one more time, I want to encourage you this morning, don't miss him today. Don't miss Jesus. Our hearts can so easily be overcome with sadness or disappointment or doubt or disbelief. And yet all Jesus wants is to be invited in. You know, maybe today could be your road to Emmaus moment. When you finally invite him in, when you invite him to walk through life with you, to open your eyes to the hope and the peace that only he can bring. You know, this church is full of road to Emmaus stories. People who have faced tremendous sadness and disappointment and who have even felt hopeless, but who have also met Jesus along the way and invited him in and had their lives change forever. So there's one more part to our story that I don't want you to miss. Look at verses 33 and 34. It says, they got up and they returned at once to Jerusalem. And there they found the 11 and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen. And what I want you to notice is all about direction. So when we first meet these two men, they're walking away from Jerusalem. They're walking away from the center of the action where everything happened, where the mission was focused. And what does that tell us? They've given up. They had given up hope. They were ready to cash it all in. And they were walking away in defeat. But because they met Jesus on the road and because they invited him in, He changed their direction. Now they have new purpose and new passion and a new destiny. And so they walk back to Jerusalem to be a part of what Jesus is gonna do. And you know what? Jesus will do the same thing for you. Don't miss it. Jesus has some words for you and for me in Revelation 3.20. He says to us, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. That invitation along with that promise are for you. Don't miss it. Don't miss Jesus this Easter morning.
So as we close out our time together, I want to give you an opportunity to invite Jesus to walk with you. Perhaps for the first time, or perhaps to recommit your life to him. And so what I'm going to ask all of you to do for a moment is to just bow your heads as we pray. And if you would like to ask Jesus to walk with you in your life, if you'd like to invite him in, you simply pray this prayer in your heart. You don't have to say anything out loud. You don't have to do anything else, but just agree with the prayer I'm about to pray. So bow your heads, please, and let's pray. Lord Jesus, I admit that I am a sinner and that I deserve death. I believe that you paid for my sins on the cross. I believe that you died and rose again so that one day I may die and rise again. Jesus, I am putting my trust in you today. I want you to be my savior and my God. I want you to walk with me through the journey of my life. Forgive me all of my sins, heal my heart and make me whole again. Jesus, thank you for saving me and for forgiving me. From this day forward, I will seek to follow you. And I pray this in your name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer in your heart with me this morning, we believe you are a new creation. We believe that you have the promise of Jesus in your life. But we wanna stay connected to you. We would love to encourage you on your walk with Christ. And so what I'm gonna ask you to do if you said yes to Jesus is to scan the QR code in front of you. Just open up your camera, scan it. It'll take you to a page and you can click the button that says, I said yes to Jesus. We've already had over a dozen people this morning who have said yes to Jesus. And so we're praising God for that. But also we have people that will be willing to pray with you after the service at the front of the, the church. And if you have anything that's going on in your life, positive or negative or in between, these are people that would love nothing more than to lift you up in prayer. And finally, if you said yes to Jesus, or if you are a guest with us this morning, we have a little gift bag we'd like to give you on the way out. And in it are some different things, but especially a little book that we would like to give to you. So if you head out to one of the guest experience hubs, you can get one of those bags there. Now, if you look in the bag and it's mostly full of candy, that's actually for kids. So they just kind of look similar to the adult bags. So make sure there's a book in there. But in closing, my prayer for you is that you wouldn't miss Jesus, that you would have an incredibly blessed Easter. And please join us again next Sunday. We're kicking off a new sermon series called Emotionally Healthy Relationships, which we think will be vitally helpful to every one of us, no matter who we are, because God wants all of our relationships to get better in him. So again, have a very Christ-filled and blessed Easter.